This reading's from John 6, 35 to 51. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say now, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God, Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Well, hello, everyone. It's lovely to be with you this evening. Let's pray for God's help, shall we, as we come before his word. Heavenly Father, as we gather round your word this evening, we pray by your spirit that you would give us what we do not have, that you would teach us what we do not know, and that you would make us what we are not yet. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Verse 35 of our reading, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Over the next seven weeks, we're considering these seven I am sayings of Jesus that we find in John's gospel. Seven times Jesus, as it were, bears his soul to us, reveals to us the depths of who he is and what he's come to do. So Jesus isn't here just filling in some extra biographical details. I am the bread of life, as if he might have added, I am the son of a carpenter, I am especially fond of the colour blue. These opening words each time, I am, are rather very carefully chosen, you might say provocatively chosen, because Jesus here claims for himself the unique name of God. Back when the Lord spoke to Moses, On Mount Horeb, in flames of fire, he revealed his name as, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. God tells Moses, I am has sent me to you. This was the sacred name that for centuries thereafter, Jews dare not speak, dare not even write in full. Such was its special majesty and holiness and power. So when Jesus says, I am, dot, 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 
he takes upon his human lips the very self-identity of God. He's either committing the greatest blasphemy the world has ever known, or he is the maker of heaven and earth made flesh, the author of all life now standing on the solid ground of Galilee. So let me start off by saying this evening that wherever we might stand on this question of the person of Jesus Christ, that question cannot be for us of merely moderate importance at the same level, you might say, as your plans for the summer holiday or the glorious draw that we saw um, this morning by the England cricket team. Now, the, the stark magnitude of Jesus' claims about himself mean that they're either false in which case they mean nothing, they're not really worth a second thought. Or else they're true, in which case they mean everything. They turn our world, our lives around. The one opinion, the one option Jesus doesn't allow us here is to treat his words as a kind of inspiring moral teaching that we can mull over at our leisure, part of a cultural background noise to our daily lives that's kept comfortably tucked away in the vicinity of our minds, also occupied by the works of Shakespeare or by Aesop's fables. Jesus' words here are not comfortable words, not then and not now. So they invite us either to embrace them or to reject them. The one thing they won't let us do is to keep them happily, placidly hovering at arm's length. Even as Jesus' words land on each of our hearts by his Spirit this evening... Those words will not leave us, as it were, spiritually neutral. They won't leave us spiritually unchanged. Through these words, our hearts will either draw closer to him or move further away from him. So what are these words? Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What on earth does this mean? Well, the context, as we heard in the first half of our reading, is that Jesus has just fed the 5,000 with this miraculous multiplication of bread. And the 5,000 are now not just full of food, but full of excitement too. Some begin whispering enthusiastically among themselves, this is the prophet who's to come into the world. By Jesus' day, a legend had grown up that the long-promised prophet like Moses, promised back at the start of the Bible, would come performing the same deeds as Moses, feeding God's hungry people in the wilderness by providing bread from heaven, the abundance of God once more meeting the people in their deepest need. And so interestingly, we're told that the crowd therefore planned to seize Jesus and make him king by force. It seems to me at a stroke there, their enthusiasm is revealed for what it really is. Not true faith, but a form of unbelief. Oh yes, they'll readily endorse Jesus, but only as an instrument of their own agenda, as a symbol for their pre-prepared manifesto. Before we distance ourselves from that kind of ploy, it's worth considering whether our world is so far away from theirs. We've probably all heard Jesus' name invoked on the radio or in the newspapers, even in sermons, as a kind of seasoning of divine approval for whatever the speaker or the writer has already decided to present to us as moral or virtuous. Jesus invoked as the poster boy for this or that fashion of the day, this or that political program, whether on the left or on the right. 
this, it seems to me, is a perennial response to the person of Jesus, to give lip service to him on our own terms, according to our own preferences, to half-bow the knee, acclaim him as king, but in practice deny his lordship over us. And Jesus' response here is to practice social distancing, to withdraw from this kind of clamour, from this false form of approval. And as night falls, to leave the people for the time being in their darkness. The next day, though, the dialogue resumes. We heard this in the second chunk from John 6. And again, it focuses on the nature of this feeding miracle, this miraculous multiplication of bread. And the crowd wants to know, is this history repeating itself? Jesus as a new Moses, a new prophet sent from God. Perhaps others want to know rather more cynically, if I stick around, can I get a few more free handouts? Not so much Jesus as a glorious new prophet, but Jesus as a rather lucrative new vending machine. And Jesus cuts through all of this dodgy exegesis and venal speculation at a stroke and declares, I am the bread of life. So Jesus is saying here he's not merely a repeat of the manna in the wilderness. That was only for one nation. Jesus says, I've come for the whole world. That was bread that perished. It was dead bread. It was bread that went moldy. Jesus says, I'm the living bread that never dies, the food that endures to eternal life. That was bread that satisfied only for a time. And those who ate it were soon hungry again. Jesus says, I'm the bread that satisfies forever so that anyone who comes to me will never hunger again. What's more, Jesus calling himself bread here points us, I think, to his indispensability for our life. Bread is necessary food, isn't it? In the society of Jesus' day, without bread, you died. When people could afford to eat nothing else, they ate bread. The prince and the pauper, the old and the young, the weak and the strong. We might add not just necessary food, but daily food. Other kinds of food we eat, perhaps only occasionally, but we need bread every day. And not just necessary food and daily food, but nourishing food. Nothing does so much good to bodily health. Morning and night, we go on all our lives eating bread, and we're never tired of it. So Jesus is saying, what bread is to your bodies, necessary and daily and nourishing, I am to your souls. The Bible tells us that God has set eternity in the human heart, made us for a life lived with him, so that a life lived without reference to the God who made us will yield only restlessness. We are by nature, you might say, insatiably hungry, desperately seeking something in the world, endlessly searching for solidity and significance and satisfaction. And we can try to find this deeper meaning and purpose variously in our careers, our relationships, in prestige, wealth or power or self-realization. But for all of that great journeying and that great striving and effort, these things will only ever be in spiritual terms, the food of the prodigal son in the pigsty, in a far country apart from his father. A great example of this fruitless longing is found in the life of Lord Byron, the great romantic poet and student of a Finland university not far from here. Byron was a man supremely gifted and loved and living life to the full. Here was his epitaph. 
thus full of titles, flattery, honour, fame, beyond desire, beyond ambition, full, he died. He died of what? Of wretchedness. Drank every cup of joy, heard every trump of fame, drank early, deeply drank, drank draughts that common millions might have quenched, then died of thirst because there was no more to drink. When Jesus declares, I am the bread of life, he's saying that in him we find rest for our restless souls, the food and drink for our hungry souls. Jesus is the true food that feeds us to eternal life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Well, how do we receive this bread? Jesus tells us plainly and simply, doesn't he, in that same verse, in verse 35, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We must simply come to Jesus, believe in Jesus, put our faith in him, As Augustine put it, to believe in him is to eat the living bread. Believe and you have eaten. And that invitation is like a bell that sounds again and again throughout chapter 6. Jesus says, believe in the one God has sent. And again, come to me. And again, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And again, the one who believes has eternal life. To trust in Jesus, to come to him must be a personal decision it can't be taken for me by someone else if a beautiful feast is laid before me i benefit nothing if my friend looks over my shoulder and says that looks delicious may i eat that for you similarly my experience of meal times with two small children is that food can be laid before someone but then just endlessly pushed around the plate without actually being eaten we too as it were can push the claims of Jesus around the plate, luxuriating the very refraining from making a heartfelt commitment or decision. But Jesus says here to believe in him, to trust in Christ, to feed on him, is to come to him. It is to abide with him in our innermost being. And whoever comes to him, Jesus assures us, he will never drive away. He will lose not one of those the Father has given him. Well, one last question for tonight. How can Jesus claim to accomplish all of this? How can he be so confident that he is the food that brings life? He tells us right at the end of that passage we heard in verse 51. Let me read that. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. See, as we were reminded in those prayers of confession, our natural predicament is not just restlessness for God because of our hearts, but estrangement from God because of our sins. Jesus comes down from heaven not only to feed us, but to die for us, to give his life for us so that we might live. And Jesus speaks in these verses of the Calvary that is to come, where his flesh will be offered, his body broken, to redeem us, to bring us forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Jesus will be the Passover lamb 
his flesh given that God's people may live, his flesh consumed, so that the wrath of God might not fall on guilty people like you and me. We are then, in other words, to come to Jesus, to feed on Jesus, to know Jesus, not simply as the Son of God, but as the crucified Saviour who died for us. Because it's there at the cross that we see the self-giving love of God most clearly displayed and the very identity of the divine I am most beautifully, you might say most offensively, revealed. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. And for many then, as now, this is a hard saying. It's food that sticks in the throat. As in the wilderness, God's ways cause many to murmur and to grumble. Read in this chapter that because of these words, many of Jesus' disciples turn back and no longer follow him. Jesus' words are offensive to us because they cut us down to size. Jesus hasn't come to be the king that we might want, but the king we need. He's come primarily not to affirm us, but to save us. So that question comes back. Will our response be acceptance or rejection of him? I am the bread of life. Well, I'm going to pray in a moment that our hearts might embrace those words of Jesus, our crucified saviour. But just before I do, let me suggest a little New Year's resolution for us, if you'd like to take it up. Jesus says that he's the living bread, our living bread. So just as we will become weak without our daily food, so I think we'll become spiritually weak if we don't abide with Jesus day by day. Let me encourage us then as a new year begins to daily let your thoughts rest on him. Daily let your thoughts turn to him. When you make a mistake, come to Jesus for forgiveness. When you're worried, come to Jesus for peace. When you're happy, come to Jesus to share your happiness. When you sit down to eat, let that meal remind you that your true food, the answer to your true spiritual hunger is found in him. And just as we feel strengthened and nourished and refreshed when we've eaten and drunk a meal, so we shall feel the better spiritually for having come to Christ in the renewal of our hearts and the transformation of our minds. Let me encourage you this year not just to live for Jesus, but to live from Jesus as you abide in him. Because in him, our living bread, there is that triple promise. The sin of the past has been blotted out as we are accepted into his fellowship. The life of the present can be lived with him. That life which is a sharing in the very life of heaven. And the life of the future is secure. Because Jesus says he will raise us up at the last day. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let me finish with some words of Martin Luther on these verses and then I'll pray. Luther says, these are indeed dear and precious words, which it is not enough for us merely to know. We must turn, to the, turn them to account and say, upon these words, I will go to sleep at night and get up in the morning. Leaning upon them will I sleep and wake and work and travel. For though everything were to go to ruin, 
And though father and mother, emperor and pope, princess and lords, all forsake me, though even Moses could not help me, and I had only Christ to look to, yet he will help me, for his words are sure. And he says, hold fast by me, come thou to me, and thou shalt live. The meaning of these words is that whoever can believe on him, the man who is called Jesus Christ, shall be satisfied and cannot suffer either hunger or thirst. We're mindful of these wonderful truths. Shall we pray together? Lord Jesus Christ, would you be to us our living bread, our food that feeds us to eternal life? Would you grant to us so to believe and to trust in you that we would know your presence abiding in us and with us every day and witness through lives lived in your grace to your power to transform and save? For we pray all these things in your precious name, our crucified and risen Lord. Amen.